You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Just to refresh the story, uh, we started a couple of weeks ago. Nehemiah was an individual who was a cupbearer to the king. And uh, he, he hears at the very beginning of, of this, this story, he hears about what's happened to Jerusalem. He hears that actually Jerusalem, the, the, the walls have broken down, the, the, the gates have been have been burned and that the city's just in kind of in rubble and as he hears this report he his heart is moved the bible says he begins to weep and he begins to fast and pray and he really he he something grips his heart that something had to be done now as i shared he was a cupbearer to the king he wasn't a builder he wasn't a tradesman he was someone who worked in the palace he was someone who probably was well trained but he had a he had a narrowed scope of expertise, and it certainly was not in the building industry, right? He was a cupbearer. Yet, although this was the situation that he found himself in his his uh, occupation, God moved in his heart above anyone else's heart to do something about it. Now Nehemiah didn't just sit there and think, "Well, really hope someone does something about Jerusalem." He begins to pray and take responsibility as if this was something he needed to do something about. There, there was something in him that begins to, to move and, and he doesn't just launch into a, a, a kind of a program. He, he takes, as we look at the time, he takes a few months before it's even presented to the king and the king says, what do you want? He has already taken time to pray through what the strategy is. He's already taken time to really work through what it is God is asking of his, his of his life. Now, again, as I said, it was not. Uh, I mean, people in in Babylon at that time would have all known about Jerusalem, but something happened in his heart at that moment that was gripped by God's plan and destiny. And and Nehemiah was about to step into God's bigger picture of what he was already doing. As I shared, God, when God moves, He invites us to be part of what He is doing. He was already in move to restore Jerusalem. He was already had a plan in place and he unveiled the, the curtains to Nehemiah by moving his heart with something in him that has something had to be done about it. And for you and I, we hit life and we hit situations around us and we look at, at, at what's going on and we have a, an option. When, when our hearts are moved, we need to take note of what God is doing. Why, why is something moved in me? Why is something gripping in me? And the person beside me can take no notice of it. Why, why do I feel that passion for this situation? I believe God moves from our hearts because from our hearts, we can put everything we have into it. It's very difficult to serve the Lord if our heart's not in it. Yes? It's very difficult to just mindlessly do something, to do an activity, to do an outreach, to do whatever the project is, if our hearts are not in it. But if God gets our hearts, if God gets our, if we allow him to, to speak to us, actually something changes in us and that propels us to do things. Now he commits himself to this call and when presented with a request, he risks his life, he risks his career by saying, I, I want to go rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the wall. He, he risked it all. He, put, he jumps in with two feet and the king could have one of two things at that moment. He could have said, you know what? How dare you? They were our enemy. Israel's our enemy, was our enemy. Why are you doing this? But actually, God in that whole time had prepared the king's heart at that moment. And when that request came, he said, okay, uh, uh, 
you go. And then, and then Nehemiah was bold enough to say, but actually I need a letter, I need wood, I need all this, I need, I need tra- safe transport, I, I need all this stuff. He'd already prepared the shopping list of what he needed. And so the king said, okay, you got that. That's where we ended the story two weeks ago. That is the point. Now, God gives him this amazing favor. He, he starts on this journey. We're not going to read all of it. But he arrives into Jerusalem. He arrives on the scene in verse 11. And uh, you can well imagine, here's who was left in Jerusalem were the poor. Who was left in Jerusalem were people that just, you know, they were the destitute people just to kind of work the farmland. Um, but the city was just in rubble, right? And what we see of pictures of, of Syria right now, this is very much probably the picture of what you would have saw of Jerusalem. A few people living in various kind of areas of the city, but the walls are broken down. It, it looked like a remnant of something great. It's like when you kind of walk around Athens, or you go around these places where you could see something great there, but it's just a remnant of it. That's what Jerusalem was. And now when Nehemiah walks on the scene, he doesn't, he, he would have taken everyone's attention because someone official has arrived. Someone of an importance has just showed up into the city. And uh, I'm sure there was questions of why are you here? What are you doing? Who are you? You're a cupbearer to the king, but why are you doing here? The king isn't here. And so we're going to read verses 11 to 16, and then we'll start unpackaging it this morning. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no mounts for me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate, through um, Jackal Well and the Dung Gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the Fountain Gate and the King's Pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I returned back to uh, back and re-entered through the Valley Gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I had not yet said, I said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any other who would be doing the work. Interesting. Before Noah, uh, Noah, before Noah, Nehemiah, let's get the right person going here. Before Nehemiah shared the vision or launched into the work, he first counted the cost. He first examined what really needed to be done. You know, it's a, it's a principle that Jesus talks about in Luke 14, about counting the cost. When we follow the Lord, there's a, there's a cost. And do you know what? There, whenever we say yes to the Lord, there's always a cost to be paid. How many of you found this to be true? Sometimes we launch into things without realizing the fullness of what it's going to take of our lives. Now, sometimes... Yes, we count the cost, and and the cost is bigger than we thought it was going to be. Fair enough. But there's wisdom in taking time to examine what is the real situation here. What is what's really going on? When Donna, or when God called us to to come to Brighton to plant the church, you know, it was a big move, and it was leaving a secured position in the church to to nothing, to go to a foreign place where we knew nobody. And uh, Don and I, we took time, we, we, we spent a week in Brighton before we, we resigned, before any, we told anyone what we were doing, other than my parents, because they had to watch our kids. Um, we took a week, and we just spent time in Brighton. This was in October 2000, 
five. I was going to say fourteen. Five. Two thousand five. Long time ago. Two thousand five. We we just we just spent a week, and surprisingly, we actually booked a hotel in Kemptown. We didn't know it was the cheapest, so we stayed there. Little did we know we were going to plant a church in Kemptown. But we we took a week. Then we after that after that week, we went back to to Canada, and for another month and a half, we just prayed. We just sought God. God, is this really? Is this really what you're asking of our lives? You know, when God is on the move and God opens something up and God stirs our hearts for something of Him, do you know there's a value in us counting the cost? Because our Christian walk isn't about just starting a project or starting an outreach or starting something, but it's about us finishing the work. It's about us going the long haul. God hasn't called us just to be starters. He calls us to be finishers. Right? He calls us to be people that actually can see your work through from beginning to the end or, or at least see it through a process to maybe hand it off to someone else. But actually God wants us to, to not just be people that are gung-ho about certain things and then we pull anchor as soon as it gets difficult. And then, well, we didn't think it was going to be that hard. Let's go. Let's stop. Let's, let's quit this whole thing. You see, Nehemiah took this step of actually before he told anyone of what he was doing, he needed to see it for himself. He needed to know what was going on. What was the city really like? He'd heard the reports, but he really needed to know what were they up against? How bad really was it? What was going to need to be done? So he surveys this entire city. He goes around. He looks at all the walls. He looks at the situation. Doesn't say why he's there. I, I no doubt he did it at night so people wouldn't know what he's doing. Now, I don't know how he saw everything at night. Maybe it was a moonlit night. Those nights where you can see everything. I mean, obviously, there was ways. He, he didn't have a torch. Maybe he had a torch torch. But when we follow God, can I tell you that the stakes are always high? God always calls us to things that are bigger than us. If God is calling us, he always calls us and leads us into the things that we depend upon him. Now, in our Christian journey, there's value in us understanding that and looking at the cost. And when, when we set out, we realize, okay, this is going to be, I, I'm aware that this is bigger than me. I know what the cost is. I know what's, what's, what's going to happen. And so I'm going to take this evaluation first. He, came, he keeps the vision to himself for the first few days. He, he needed to know what it was going to take to rebuild, how bad it was, as I just mentioned. In sharing the vision to others, he also needed to know the facts. Otherwise, before he even kind of got to the idea of rebuilding, people would have said, but have you even seen it? You've only been here a couple of days. Have you even walked around? Do you know how bad it is? You know, there are people always around us that would try to pull down any great idea that God may have put in your heart. And the, the value for us, before we just share everything that is in our hearts with everyone, we need to know the whole story. We need to know the big picture of what it is God is saying. What is the situation? I, how many of you have watched the show Dragon's Den? Now, okay, the title sounds worse than what the program is. It's not a satanic show. It's a, it's a program where people come with business ideas, Right? And so usually there are people who are already in business. They want to grow their business to the next level, but they need some investment of cash. And what's interesting, I, I, I like watching this show, um, is that 
the people who often get the money are the people who have done the research. They know their, their, their market. They know exactly the product. They know uh, how much money they're making off each item they're selling or whatever the product is that they're, they're doing. They know the whole story. They're very confident about what it is that's going on. And so when the questions are asked, and what it is, there's a, usually there's a lineup of three or four wealthy businessmen who would be willing to invest in their company. But they ask the really difficult questions about, but what is this and what is that? And if you watch the show, and the people who, who know the answers are more often than not are the ones who get the money. They get the buy-in of the investors because they, they, they know the facts. In our life and in, in ministry and when God leads us, you know, it's important for us to know the facts of what it is God's called us to do, what it is he's, he's leading us. And when we know the facts, it's easy for us to give the answers with confidence. There's a value in sometimes keeping things to ourselves until we know in detail what it is. Until you have all the answers to the questions, the cost. It's like there's a verse about putting your, swine, your, your, your pearls before swine. And, and not that, you know, people around you are swine. Maybe they are. I don't know. They, no, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not, okay? We'll delete that bit off the recording. The, the fact is, is that some people, they will come with our difficult questions. And if we don't have the answers, what happens if we don't have the answers to the difficult questions, we begin to have doubt in our own hearts, was this even God? It's for our benefit that this happens, because it isn't just so they buy into our vision or, or what God has spoken to us, but actually it puts doubt in us. No, I don't know how big it is. No, I don't know how bad it is. No, I, I don't actually realize that. I know I didn't know that. And we all of a sudden have all the questions and that, that will stall anything that God wants to do through our lives. You think, actually, you know what? This is, you're right. This is, I shouldn't, why did I even bring this up? <sighs> Must have had too much Doritos before I went to bed. You know, I don't know. I was dreaming something. But then Nehemiah does this he evaluates, doesn't say anything. And it comes a moment in verse 17 where he spills the beans. He says, this is what the, the whole story is. Verse 17 says, Then I said to them, See, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruin, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be a disgrace. I have also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, um, and what the king has said to me, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Obviously, in him telling them about rebuilding, it was more than two sentences. In our Bible, it's been paraphrased. But he would have shared with conviction, guys, this is what God has called us to do. This is this is the favor we've seen thus far in my life on the vision, on the plan. I've, re I've surveyed the walls. I've seen the situation. I know it's going to be a lot of work, but guys, we can do it. God is with us. He would have spoken it with such conviction that the people responded saying, yes, we can do it. And they began this good work, it says. Nehemiah couldn't build the wall on his own. He needed people around him. He needed the whole group of people to, to catch the vision. And you know, often when God speaks to our hearts, you know, more often than not, what we feel called to do, people need to be with us on it. 
people need to join us in the journey. So, I, to be honest, I, I don't know of any ministry or any outreach or any kind of thing that God speaks that doesn't require a team of people. It always requires other people to be part of it. But if you don't know where you're going and you don't know the cost, you know how difficult, you don't know any of the details, people don't want to follow you because you don't know anything. But if you've taken the time to research, you've taken the time to seek God and you've, you've gone the, done the hard work, then at the point of sharing it to the people that you need their support, you've got all the answers to the question and they're ready to get behind you because God is on the move. Now, when God is moving, can I tell you what? The next part of it is opposition can be expected. I haven't, again, seen any vision, any ministry, any outreach, any kind of major thing of God that opposition has not been lurking in the corner. I believe any, any, any project that's God breathed will hit a time of testing by fire. I had a meeting a, a little while with someone and I had this whole discussion. And for Nehemiah, it was, it was no different. And in verse 19 and 20, we see this start to un, 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 uh, unravel. No, un, unfold. There we go. Sorry, guys. But when Sambalat, the Heronites, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? He asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you will have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or, or historic right to it. Now, we'll see in the coming, well, we'll see next week that actually these, these threats go more than just kind of ridicule. But Nehemiah begins to be, to be mocked and, uh, and accused of wrong motives being rebellious to the king. They were not, can I tell you, they were not concerned about the king, but they were feeling threatened in themselves. Something was happening that they were feeling threatened. This opposition is a testing of our faith. And, uh, you know, for all of us, and, and, and for Don and I, in, in life and ministry, there's been moments where God has spoken one thing and we, we, we set out, we, we've journeyed into it. And sometimes, you know, when, on the early days of seen fulfillment to God's vision, I've seen over and over again, often the wind is at your back. Things are going great. For Nehemiah, things are going great up to this point. But troubled waters lie ahead for Nehemiah. And at these moments, it's really important that you've done your homework before. You've taken the time to pray. You knew that God is with you. You knew that God was, has spoken to you. So when the opposition starts to arrive, this is where the, 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 the opposition and our faith and what God has said collide. And at this moment, we have to lean back upon what God has said and upon His Word and upon His, what He has spoken to our hearts. Because when opposition comes, we're ready to stand in it. There's a testing of our faith that produces in us perseverance, we see in James. There's something that we need perseverance to develop in us maturity. To, to, that we're not just rising stars that kind of fleet through the sky. And, but actually in those times of testing, in the times of challenges in ministry and in, in us following God, actually God produces in us good work. 
He produces in us something that's deep and meaningful and, and able to, to go through the test of time. And I can I just say, I believe that God allows testing of the visions. I believe God allows that so that in us there's something that's hardened. You see, if everything always went easy for us, what happens to us? I, I've discovered in, when I was in youth pastoring, uh, ministry was going really well. And uh, I remember during those years, you know, the ministry had grown. We had doubled in size and things were going really great. And you know what? Funny things happen when you are really successful. You start to think you're the one to take the credit for that. And I remember before we moved to, to England, I really thought I had the touch. <laughs> I know you would never think that in your own lives. But I thought I had the touch. And when we thought about planting a church in, in, in England, I remember deep down, I just thought, you know what? People had told us, you know what? Planting churches in England is very difficult. And I said, it's just because they don't know how to do church. Okay, this is honest truth, okay? I, I never said it, but I thought it. Okay? Never said it, but I thought it. And I tell you what, there had to be a testing of my faith. There had to be a refinement of my own heart to bring maturity that it wasn't because I had the touch. It's because I serve a God who does. And actually I realized I had a lot less to do with me and a lot more to do with God's favor in his hand. But it was the times of testing when we arrived and no one came to church. I realized I did not have the touch. I got nothing, no money, no people, no church. I'm just here because God called me to. Do you know what? It's in those moments, the testing of our faith, that something deep happens in our hearts that needs to happen. And for Nehemiah, the window's at his back, things were going great, but at this point starts, as we'll look at next week, there's, there's a, a testing that comes, a deep testing that comes to, to the Israelites as they start on this vision, this journey. And you know, for you and I, you know, we can lose heart, and, and if we haven't taken time to really, uh, seek God before and we haven't counted the cost and we haven't, you know, at those points of testing, we, sh we shipwreck. We haven't, we haven't girded ourselves. But in the times of testing, you know, we, we lean, lean into God. We trust Him because we knew He called us to and we find the victory on the other end of it. If you're facing opposition, what has God said? Can I encourage you to stand upon that truth of what God called you to do and keep going? You know what? What did the enemy want to do to, to Nehemiah and Israel? They wanted to stop him. And you know, what does the enemy want to do to us? He wants to stop us. And he'll use people, he'll use circumstances, he'll use opposition of all sorts of sizes and kinds and whatever, just to stop you from going forward in what God has called you to do. Can I encourage you to don't give up, to not give up? We're not running a hundred meter sprint. We're running a marathon that requires dedication, determination to keep going. And if God hasn't told you to stop, don't stop. When opposition comes, when challenges come, when ridicule comes, don't give up. If God has called you to go forward. There's been moments upon our journey that I've wanted to give up. I wanted to stop. And I, in those moments, Don and I, we went back to Canada for a period of time, five months just to seek God. And in that time, the most clearest thing that God spoke to me was have, has, have I said anything different to you? Has my calling changed for your life? I felt discouraged. I felt, you know, wrung out. 
But God hadn't said what changed what he had said to me. And so when I went, I went back to the original call of what God, that hadn't changed. God had not spoken anything different. And now even right now, in Brighton, things are challenging at the church. And we come back to that same question. Has God said anything different to us? No. Then we keep going. There might be challenges. It might be difficult right now. But you know what God hasn't said? God hasn't changed his mind. And if God has called something into being, he will see it through. He'll see it happen however long it takes or however short amount of time it takes. Our role in the whole picture is just to be faithful in what God has called us to do and to keep trusting him. And he'll, he'll see us through to the other side. As we keep reading the story, we won't read all of chapter 3. But in chapter 3, the work begins and they find tremendous success. And there's, there's two things in particular that happen. One is they are working in unity. There's no class structure. The Levites, the perfume makers, the goldsmiths, the priests, the merchants, everyone is working at the project. You know, something happens even in a church environment when we all work together. You know, it isn't me here and you here and someone else. Down. You know, we are on the same playing field. We just have different roles. I'm on the same playing field as you. We are in the same, we have the same, um, we have the same calling. We have the same, uh, if we're part of this body, we, we're, we've got the same purpose as a body, right? But we have different functions. And so everyone is working together and God can do great things through our lives in the church when we choose to work together to build his kingdom. You know what? You're here for such a time as this. You know, the perfume makers, how, are they builders? No. In fact, as you go through the list in that chapter three, there was actually, from what I understand, there, there's virtually no builders. There were Levites. Were Levites builders? No. Were perfume makers builders? No. Were goldsmith people builders? No. Were priests builders? No. Were merchants? No. Actually, they're all people that didn't know what they're doing. <laughs> Looks like us. There are a bunch of people who didn't know what they were doing, but they were taking God at his word and they just said, you know, we're going to put our hands to it. I don't know how to build a wall. It's like our gardening days. I don't know how to do this. But you know what God does? And as a church, it isn't about us having all the answers to do it. But you know what? He takes a whole bunch of people who don't know what they're doing, including myself. And you know what? We're going to put our hands to it because God's called us to do it. And we're going to trust him that he's got something great in store. And you know, we're going to just go, go for it. A lot of people don't do things in church because I don't know how to do that. That's okay. The rest of us don't know how to do it either. But that's where the Holy Spirit comes involved, right? The Holy Spirit teaches us and helps us and leads us and guides us. And you know what? Any success, any victories we see is not because we know how to do it. It's because we know God. And he knows how to do it. And we've just trusted him through the journey. And he's allowed us to be part of a bigger picture. You know, churches that see great things happen isn't because they know what to do. It's because they know how to pray and seek God. And they know to trust him. And in those times, you know, God does great things in the church. He isn't looking for a whole church that just knows what they're doing. Because he doesn't need to be involved. He's looking for a bunch of people who are unqualified yet available. You see, this is the second part is they worked in unity, but they also worked on areas closest to where they lived. They all worked on areas closest to their home. They just they just did the wall right by their house. You know, sometimes it's right in front of us. It's just doing our part right where we are. Working on our side of the wall. You know, what God has has you placed in the positions that you are. 
And you know, you don't need to drive across town or do other things. Sometimes it's just doing what you, you, right where you are, right where your situation is. And if you do your part, if you do your part of the body, you know, the whole body's built up, the whole church is built up as you do your role. Sometimes you say, well, I, I can't do that. I can't be part of the worship team. Well, don't be part of the worship team. If you're not a singer, don't be part of the worship team. We'll be blessed if you don't. <laughs> but there are other areas in the church you can serve. You can be part of. You can work on. You can work on the part that's closest to you. What's close to you? Do that part. Serve in that area. And you know what? We start to see if everyone does that, what is close to them. You know, the, the, the body begins to grow and be built up. All right. Where is God leading you? Even again in the summer season, it's a great opportunity for us to take time to count the cost for the future. You know, a lot of people volunteer for things. And that's great. But actually, what's more important is that what you volunteer for, you see through. You know, we ask the church to fill often once a year. We take time to fill in a form to get involved, serve in the church. You know, it's great to tick your, your name. On, I want to be involved in these different areas. But actually, it's more important that you do it. But actually, before you tick your name, count the cost. Will I am I committed to will I be there? Will I help set it up? Will I do this? Will I, you know, is this going to grow me? Is this stretching for me? Am I willing to go through that process? It's better that you, you count that cost. But when we follow the Lord, can I encourage you that actually there'll always be a cost to be to be paid, but it's always well worth it. You know what? Whenever we have to give up something or or give a, a, a cost to the Lord, you know what? We always receive so much more in return. When we say yes to Him, and when we follow through, do you know what? Don't be surprised when opposition comes. But you know, God is our strength. As we trust in him through those moments. God's kingdom is established as all of us take on the roles that God has called us to. And we just start going forward. Nehemiah could not have built the wall by himself. I can't build the church by myself. You can't do what God's called you by yourself. We need each other. We need to be doing it. But whatever role you have in the whole picture, do you know what? You need to have known God has spoken to you. You need to be part of that process of okay I'm even for, if it's just for this next year I'm going to commit to this man I'm going to commit to it I'm going to give all my heart to it. I'm going to pray into it I'm going to I'm going to look at this next season with vision and intention if I lead a ministry I'm not just going to fumble through the year I'm, I'm going to go for it because God has called me for this and if opposition or challenges or whatever comes from whatever direction you know I'm going to stay true to what God has spoken because God has called me to do it and I'm going to lean with other people into God. And we're going to do this together. And I believe at the end of it, I hope next year as we look back at this, the past year, you know, we, we can see there was progress because we all, we all chipped in. We all did what God had called us to do. When opposition came, we, we stayed faithful. We stayed true to the, the, the course. But we saw the kingdom advance as a result. You know, God needs you to say yes to him. And again, I just encourage you this morning to, to be responsive to his voice, to listen to him. 
You know, God wants to do great things through your life. You're not here by accident. I want you to stand with me, please. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.